When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Good afternoon. My name is Adams, Madam Adams, the New York Post columnist. I've been there since, I don't know, since Irving crossed the Delaware. Anyway, I'm on every Sunday. You can hear me from 1 to 2. And if you don't, I will find out where you live and I will come and aggravate you. In the meantime, let me tell you about what's happening. Before residents leave New York and tourists stop coming and all the stores close and Broadway shuts and migrants take over and New York turns into a parking lot, why not send these incomers to Delaware? Biden's Beach, where instead of helping us, he's sunning himself. Why don't we flood Delaware? with migrants. And while you're at it, we can check out Delaware in general, if you can locate it. New York, highest taxpayer to D.C. We are crumbling. Golden California, already tarnished. Big state Texas, up to its Alamo in migrants. This ongoing, non-stoppable, unchecked foreign arrivals problem can be solved. I have solved it. It's Delaware. Ship them all there to Delaware. It has plenty of room. It's zero. It's got nothing. Even the Delaware water gap, which is actually nothing more than just a drizzle between Jersey and Pennsylvania, that isn't even in Delaware. Delaware has nothing. I know. I've been there. All that's there is Biden's behind and whatever is stuck up it. There's only Joe, Hunter, Joe's now rich brother, assorted newly wealthy relatives, and the wife Jill's overworked hair colorist. The state is smaller than Kim Kardashian's behind. Migrants don't go there. You know why? They can't find it. The state has no tax. It's for retirees. The local drink is dogfish head and main dish scrapple. Are you with me? You understand what a crap joint this place is? Biden just squats under an umbrella and he stares at the ocean. Now, there's not a lot of shops in the ocean. How much seaweed can you own? Shove Ukraine. Screw Russia. Forget China. This guy is busy building sand castles, and he is the president of the United States of America. The guy sits, reads, telephones the big brain son. It's nice. It's quiet. Nobody's desperate for food, water, a bed, money, 
safety, sanity, language, how to clean a baby, how to find a job, how to get new places in a foreign country. He can just sit where he is, our president, and collect seashells. No immigrants to muck up his pure, clean sand. Even Valerie Bertinelli, the only star I could find, was born there. She moved out. She moved to Los Angeles. Everybody moves out but him. The nearest migrant is miles away. New York is suffering. No migrant is in Delaware. And anyway, Joe has no moment to meet the press or even to walk up airline steps. His major accomplishment was huddling in a basement. There he played Monopoly with family members. Or he searched for the elusive B-7 to make bingo. And then, good boy, he'd eat his farina. Out of his mouth lately is only, quote, don't F with the Bidens. Yeah? Really? Well, how about don't F with the United States of America, Joe? We won't have it. Remind disordered brains in D.C. that NYC is the capital of the world. Everyone wants here. NYC, not D.C. Not to see you staring at a kite over a beach when your whole state is Highway I-95. The whole state is smaller than my bra. And everybody wants to come where? To New York. Not to your crappy little place, New York. We got bagels, steaks, cheesecake, Radio City, Empire State Building, Bronx Zoo, St. Pat's, Uptown, Downtown, Crosstown, Broadway, Yankees, songs like New York, New York, and Take a Train, Take the A Train, New York Post we've got, Diamond Center, Freedom Tower, Statue of Liberty, George Washington's Tavern. We got... Winston, Cartier, Bergdorf, Fifth Avenue, Central Park, Chinatown, Uptown, Downtown, Natural History Museum, Madison Square Garden, Stock Exchange, Wall Street. Now, thanks to you who cared about nothing, you, Biden, are ruining our city. With your Cracker Jack VP, who supposedly is in charge of the border, but doesn't yet know where it is, and hasn't time to go there anyhow, because she's busy taking speech lessons, our city, this world's number one destination, is having it so tough that homeless are creating garbage faster than D.C. can collect our taxes. Napoleon played house in Elba. Old Joe now plays with seaweed, and he can't get off his assets. I only know me, I have toured Delaware. Whizzing through the entire state took me maybe half an hour. That included the five minutes my driver stopped to pee. A few residents, however, allowed me whispers. 
may other ears also to listen to what they know. What I am telling you is they know plenty. Okay, I'll go on to something else. One other thing. The Federal Rule of Criminal Procedure 53 allows electronic coverage, photographing and broadcasting, which is prohibited in federal courtrooms. No witnesses are testifying on Donald's behalf. Conspirators could face their own troubles. Others already flipped. Democrats want the TV. They are petitioning the Supreme Court. Ask again, where is Roger Stone? We may find out soon. So which is better? Spend effort on this or on Biden and company selling out America to other countries? Me, I don't like that. I'm an American. China is buying farmland near to our military bases. Very high rate they're paying. Why? To spy. Take over the USA. And what is our government doing about that besides sitting on the sand in Delaware? Okay, you don't like Donald, so what? I don't care. It's your right. So don't like him. So don't vote for him. So pick somebody else. That's why we live in the land of the free, the United States of America. Voters who like him say his talk is about his promise for America. It's where our loyalties should lie, to America, not to this new wave of progressives who want laws changed, rules removed, sexes changed, flags burnt, and the selling out of our nation. Okay, I'm coming near the end of our time where I have to make a station break, but I have one more thing, and then I will shut up. DeSantis of Florida, he has said, and this is a direct quote, quote, slaves benefited from learning skills, and next he cites the example of a man named Ned Cobb. But Cobb, born 20 years after the Civil War and started the Sharecroppers Union, was never a slave. New York historian Theodore Rosengarten wrote a play, a book, rather, about Cobb. Cleavon Little played Cobb in a prize-winning one-act play. It appears that DeSantis cannot cope with Mickey Mouse or history. Okay, I'm coming to an end. One more thing. New York City is also having a real estate problem. So here's a rental tip. The best way to push the landlord into painting the apartment? Move out. And now I am moving out and I'm coming into a station break, and I will be absolutely brilliant when we come back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. So, Caroline Hirsch is the founder and owner of the New York Comedy Club, Caroline's on Broadway, and the New York Comedy Festival, and about 12 other things. She is recognized for her ability to spot rising comedic talent, including Seinfeld, Paul Robinson. Uh, there's another 20 minutes on how famous you are. Can first tell me, is it, is it proper Caroline or Caroline? It's Caroline. Okay, because some people are pronouncing it Carolyn, so I never know what's correct. Tell me, we all know, but you have to tell me for the three people who have never listened in before, how did you start? Was it was it George Carlin in the village? Well, as a you know, as a young girl I went to see George Carlin down at the bitter end, I believe it was the bitter end in the village way back. And uh just loved comedy and always loved comedy because I always watched Johnny Carson. I knew all the comedians from the Times. Um, I was in retail. I opened Caroline's in the early 80s. Doing what? What was the store? What was your product? Well, we we opened Caroline's at that time as a cabaret, and we morphed into doing just straight comedy with Jay Leno, Jerry Seinfeld, and everybody else that came after that. Paul Rubens. Yeah. Who was Pee Wee Herman. Gary Shandling. Everybody, every famous comedian worked there. But where did you, in since you were a, a neophyte starting all this, where did you have the connections to get to all of these guys? I just, you know, by the seat of my pants, called agents, managers, found, found out who was, you know, who was happening at the time. And I did watch a lot of the early David Letterman, and a lot of our comics were then on the David Letterman show. Okay. But you didn't know how to actually approach them. Some of them are are odd ducks. I mean, how did you know how to approach them? Well, we just, you know, when at, at that time, you know, Jay, Jay Leno wasn't really known, or Jerry Seinfeld, but they were with this agency called Spotlight years ago. Yeah. And Spotlight okay. at that time represented a lot of young comedians. So we bought it from Spotlight, and that was the start of it. Tell us now where it was and how you started the place. What was it before when you bought it? Um, it, it was it was nothing. It was an old it was an old store that we converted into a club. It sat about 110 people. We had a restaurant, and you know we we went out and and set, um, you know, set a, a new way of of a new yuppie nightclub as it was called way back in the 80s when they used that word yuppie. Yeah, yeah. So we presented all these new people, like like Paul Rubens, who just passed away about a week ago, Pee Wee Herman. We presented him in New York. That's how he got his children's show. The producers came in, they saw him there, and made a deal with him, and that set him set him up. But so, you were you, know, you were you were the only one. We have we had a lot of little crappy little nightclubs, but you were the only one that was only comedy. Isn't that so? Well, it was really comedy where we presented somebody's whole act. The yeah. other clubs, like the Improv and the Comic Strip, were kind of showcase clubs at that time. Tell me about the beginning days of these early 
Seinfelds and Carlins. What? Tell me what it was like to work with them. And and were you nervous when they started to do dirty material? No, never nervous about dirty material. But you know, it was the beginning. Look, I was young. They were young. We kind of grew up together in the business. Whoever knew that Jerry Seinfeld, you know, we always talk about it, you know, would, would have the most impressive sitcom ever made. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jay Leno would then go on to host The Tonight Show after Johnny Carson. I mean, you know, I worked with everybody when we all started out. It was very exciting. Gary Shandling would create his show. Paul Rubens, Big, big Adventure. I, it, it just was the beginning of, of what was happening in observational humor. Did you keep in touch with some of these guys? Oh, sure. And actually, uh, uh, my birthday was this past May, and Paul Rubens was texting me and sending me birthday videos, as, as I, I guess he did with a lot of people. He loved to do that. Before we go um, on... Before we go on to a lot of the other things that you're doing, and, and I want to mention your, your fabulous thing that you did every year, do you remember the beginning days of a Seinfeld when he was standing up doing comedy as a new kid? I, do, I, I sure do. I sure do. What do um, you remember? What do you remember? I remember some things about Jerry. You know, he talked about dating at that time. He talked about credit cards at that time. It was everything that went on in his life. Now, if you see Jerry today doing stand-up, it's more about his family, his wife, yes, his children, yes, being yes, hydrated. You know, yes, yes, <laughs> so yes. Could, it just changes. <laughs> Caroline, could you always tell who would make it if you sat um, sat out uh, out front? Could you tell? I could tell who had the talent. Look, a lot of things at that time, you know, in the 80s, people were doing drugs and drinking. A lot of people didn't make it because they got stuck somewhere. But the people that had the true talent and stayed true to themselves and didn't abuse anything really went on to great things. Look at Bill Maher. Bill, yeah. Bill Maher yeah. was somebody else that started at the club. I mean, Larry David started at the club. Michael Patrick King, who's a great producer, director, you know, he, he started at the club. I mean, it, the list goes on and on about the comedy world and who, who performed at Caroline's. Everybody who John knew. Stewart. Yeah, yeah. What about what you did every year? Tell us all about Stand Up for Heroes, and does oh. it continue or what? Oh, yeah, Stand Up for Heroes continues. It's going, we're, we're going with the New York Comedy. It's the opening night charity event. It always was the charity event of the New York Comedy Festival, which will be in its 19th year, and Stand Up for Heroes is is in 17th year coming up this year and this is something that we created for the andrew fox and i created for the bob woodger foundation and it's a night honoring the vets from our war in iraq and iran and um, we put on a big comedy show and we've always had the bruce springfields there and every one of our comedy or people that we've worked together all these years all the great comics have performed on that stage it's still going on Yes, we will be having um, Stand Up for Heroes this year with the New York Comedy Festival. Yes, of where, course. Where, where will it be? It will be at the uh, David Geffen Hall. Oh, well, that's pretty good. Okay, now I would like to know about today. What the hell happened to your club? Well, you know, look, I was in business for 40 years. I was at the Times Square location for 30 years. Our lease was at an end. 
we couldn't come to agreement with the landlord. And I just thought it was just better for me to to close down those four walls and make my brand in something to bigger than the four walls there. So what we have do, what we are doing, I'm extending the Caroline's brand to the New York Comedy Festival, and it'll be bigger and better than ever. And extending the brand through also through other, you know, making more content. So that's really my plan. It's bigger than that space. <laughs> what went into that space since anything? I I I I don't know what they're doing. You know, I I, I don't know what they're doing. But I must say that you know that's zoned for entertainment. So yeah. whatever they put in there needs to comply with that. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me what you are doing at this moment because you're you're going to do your stand up for heroes. You're going to do your comedy festival. What are you doing now, and where are you located? What's the central hub for Caroline's? Well, well the central hub is really, um, I'll tell you what we're doing. The New York Comedy Festival, you know, we've expanded it this year. We have more than 22 big, big shows, over close to 150 smaller shows around the city. But the festival will run from Friday, November 3rd through Sunday, November 12th. And we yeah. have... Big, big headliners like Bill Burr doing Madison Square Garden, Anthony Jesselneck, Mateo Lane, uh, Brett Goldstein, Nicole Byer, Jimmy Carr. We have we have some of we have the best names in comedy performing. Not all of the best names, but we have the best names in comedy performing. Um, as much as we can, you know, the twenty-two shows, big theater shows that we're doing. So we're doing with Standing Caroline's through producing all of these shows around the city. And, you know, tickets went on sale a few weeks ago, and everybody should really go to NewYorkComedy.com and really get their tickets because everything is going to be sold out. Is there a hub? Is there an office for you? What's, what's your central place? All right, so place? what was the central place is we're doing shows at the Hard Rock Hotel as a venue there call the venue, and we're doing lots of shows out of there for the week. We're doing Jeff Ross. We're doing Jeff Ross there. We're doing Darnell Rollins out of there. We're doing New York's Funniest out of there. We're doing Comics to Watch out of there. So it's going to be the hub where everybody in the comedy industry will start to um, congregate during the festival. Um, The way the our country, the way our world is going, and some of the filth that is being used, and some of the land way we're surviving, do you own understand that they talk very dirty and some of it is a little bit too raw or not? Is it just no, my mentality? I, I, you know, no, no, Cindy. I mean, you, you know, there are certain comedians that do that, but, you know, we work with people that are very poignant, and, and you know, if they use a curse word, it's it's in the right place. I mean, you know, we, we just, I know all of these people that are performing with us, um, and, 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 and we approve ever all of the acts. Okay. Where do comics start today, honey? Well, they, they start with, um, actually, they, they start to hone their craft at all the small spaces that they get some, some stage time, you know, around, around New York City. Some of well, the smaller clubs. When, um, when I- when I was growing up, you know, and I was with Joey Adams, my com- comedian husband, they used to have those 
joints upstate, like at Grossinger's or the Concord, and they would come there every Saturday. You don't have those places, those tryout places anymore. No, um, well, look, you, you know, there are, there are a number of comedy clubs around New York City that, that do that, that help out young comedians, and they get stage time. So they're able to, to hone their craft there. I mean, we see so many people through, you know, YouTube and videos, and people send us stuff. So we're able to keep on top of everyone. I mean, we have, I mean, it's going to be an incredible amount of people performing that 10 days around New York City. Just oh, incredible. I- no, I understand that. And where do you now find the new kids? The new do they find you, or do you find them? Um, they they find us, and they find us through soliciting us tapes, sending us videos, and we watch everyone. So, do you go out? Do of, you go? Do you go out to some little crap ass places to listen to them to hear them? I do, I do, I do. <laughs> we have a lot of new people too. Yeah, like like Giggly Squad is with us this year. Nicole Byers doing the Apollo. Asuko Atsuka is a, a young female comic who we had to add another show with at Town Hall. So we're, we're, we're rocking and rolling here. Caroline will always rock and roll. You are a one-of-a-kind. <laughs> what you did was a one-of-a-kind. You opened a one-of-a-kind place. You became a Statue of Liberty in, in, in Times Square. We all know who Caroline's was. It never happened before. It only happened because of you. That's, that's what I have to tell you. And I'm awfully glad that you came on with me. And I think it's time we had dinner. I think so. I think so. But, you know, you just travel around so much. I'm here. I'm here. If you oh, if you mention food, I'm definitely here. Don't worry about it, okay? <laughs> I look forward to seeing you, Caroline. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Cindy. Thank okay. you. Okay. Thank you, honey. Bye. A name you know who's in the know. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. I am about to speak. To Richard Kind. He is known for a load of roles. Dr. Mark in Mad About You, Paul Lasseter in Spin City, Andy in Curb Your Enthusiasm, Arthur in the Cone Brothers film A Serious Man, and now he's in a new stage play that's in New Jersey, all of which I'll talk to you about in a minute. Okay, Richard, I love your name. What's its original, Kind? That was it. There was that nothing was else uh, like kind or uh, anything? Henry Lewis, uh, Henry Lewis Gates did uh, uh, profiled me on that great show, uh, uh, Finding Your Roots. Yeah. And he, oh, hold on, hold on. My alarm's going off because I got to remind myself that I'm going to be talking to Cindy Adams. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, he, he uh, Henry Gates on, the, on that show on PBS, Finding Your Roots, he did me. What happened was, is I always thought I was from Germany and kind was child, kinder. Yeah. It turns out that Franz Joseph the second or third uh, uh, did not allow patronymics anymore. So my name if from Austria is kind. It's on gravestones from back in the 1600s. And it means nothing, but I was named Kind. That is my name. It was not changed at uh, Ellis Island. It is Kind. 
it's a lovely name. Are you kind? Are you a kind I, I, soul? I would prefer to. I would prefer to be rich. Yeah, I mean, birthday, listen, forget that. Unfortunately, I. I what about it? Are you, please, are you a kind soul? I, I, you can't hear it from me. I think you got to hear it from others. There are no others here, so that. I have to ask you. I know plenty of producers who consider themselves kind, and yet they prove themselves not. So what are you going to do? <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's go back to the early days. You majored in Northwestern U, right? Where you, but you were from New York, weren't you? No, I'm from a place called in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Okay, My dad and, had a store in Princeton. And then you went to Northwestern U. What did you major in? Uh, I was pre-law. I was supposed to go to law school. So between law school and now doing a show in New Jersey, what did I miss here? What happened? There was a, uh, well, it was my dream always to be an actor. Uh, but where I grew up, that was sort of a dream. You know, you, I was expected to take over my dad's business. And there was a wonderful teacher at Northwestern, uh, Frank Galati, who you might know who he was. Yeah. Uh, he became a very well-known director, especially in Chicago theater, wonderful writer. Uh, and he said, try it, you know, and, and, and don't expect to get famous or, or have success until you're in your 30s. And he was very prescient. And, and I... That indeed is what happened. I, I was an, a waiter in New York. I was an actor in New York. I went to Second City in Chicago. I worked in Chicago for years. And then in my 30s, in my early 30s, I went out to L.A. And uh, I've been lucky. I, so I really have been working since I was about 23 years old. Uh, but I wouldn't say that I had big paychecks, nor was I famous. <laughs> but uh, but I, I never stopped working from about age 23. I you, just worked and worked and worked. Do you remember your first screen test or the first time you really auditioned? Uh, yeah, I got a, I, 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 yeah, okay. I, no, I'm going to tell you what I think is one of the great audition stories in the world. Okay. Oh, God, I, I should I don't, yeah, don't, Go ahead. You're going to like this. Okay. I after I graduated from college, I went to Europe and then uh, my parents took me uh, on a business trip in Washington. I came back in October. I bought what was called Showbiz Magazine, Show Business Magazine, and they had an, uh, a, an equity call for a new show. And I'll bet you'll remember the show called Carmelina. I do, I do, place. I do. And show business was a newspaper. It wasn't a magazine. It was a newspaper for actors. Yeah. And okay. it had all of these. Yes, the, yes, yes, the, yes. The, the, the roles that are available. Yeah. So Carmelina was going to be on Broadway. The music was written, music by uh, Burton Lane, directed by Jose Ferrer, starring yeah. Georgia Brown. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I go to the equity audition. And uh, when I got there, they say... Uh, are you a member of equity? Let me see your equity card. I go, I'm not a member. So I, so as I said, how do you become a member? And they go, well, you got to be an equity play. And I go, how do you get into an equity play? <laughs> you got to audition. But you, so it was a real catch 22. They said, but they're having non equity auditions at five o'clock that afternoon. I get yeah. back there at three because I have great ambition. I sign up. The play takes place, as you know, in Italy. Yeah. And so anybody with brown hair, they're going to see. Well, I have brown <laughs> hair. I have dark hair. 
They bring me in. There's about 30 people, and we all go in. All the non-equity people go in, and they go and they uh, they hand the uh, the uh, piano player their music, and we're all in the same room. It was not one at a time, and I don't I don't have my music. It's my first audition ever. <laughs> so I go up to the piano player. I say I don't have any music. He goes, "What song would you like to sing?" I go, "Do you know the song?" You know the song "Hey There" yeah. from the Pajama Game. Yeah. He goes, "Yes." He goes, "What what key do you sing it?" I I don't know what key. So he starts to play "Hey There," you with the stars <laughs> in your eyes, and all of a sudden, Jose Ferrer at the table goes, "Hey There," why my ex-wife had a hit with that song, and he gets up and he pushes the piano player over, and he starts accompanying me to "Hey There" on the piano. Oh and my. he starts singing along with me. And I, that was my first audition. Now, what's unusual is his son and his nephew, about 10 years later, became two of my dearest friends. And I knew Rosemary. And, the, you know, so it just was very funny. But that was my very first audition was that I was accompanied by Jose Ferrer on the piano. It's a great story. Did you get the job? No, I was brand new. I'm not going to Broadway. I just got out of college. I had no experience. Of course, I didn't get the job. But it's a hell of a story. It's a great story. It's a great story. Yeah. Go back. Go on to before we get on to your play. What about the strike? How does it affect you guys? For years, the contracts that, that the actors and the writers had were two steps behind what technology was. Yeah. Uh, you started with uh, Betamax, then DVDs, then cable TV. Uh, you know, people got residuals, but on cable TV, we never got residuals. Then streaming happened, and they don't know how to figure out those residuals. Finally, technology and our contracts are meeting at the same time. Streaming is brand new. AI is brand new. And our contracts have, got, have just happened. So every time we tried to get the money from like DVDs, a new system of of technology came in. We are finally able to make a time because through uh, through fortune, we were able to have a contract that expired at a time when technology is brand new. And it's going to take time because the producers don't know and the actors don't know. So I think we should have scientists in on the uh, on the negotiations so that they can tell us what the reality is. Well, this and is the first time I've had such an explanation. It's an interesting take. I've never heard really, that before. It's very interesting. All of a sudden, who knows the power of streaming? Why aren't they telling us numbers? And, why, and now we have the power of AI, and we don't know how far it's going to go. But Robert Downey Jr., from what I understand, has copyrighted not only his face, his image, but his voice. So that if it's used at all, he will get paid. Well, we have to have equal uh, uh, equal power for every actor. I understand that. So maybe soon we'll see you in a tutu doing a ballet and it'll be legit. I look forward to it. What do you play in this play that you're playing now in New it's, Jersey? It's a it's a sweet play. Uh, Michael Tucker from L.A. Law wrote a uh, 
wrote a wonderful play. He's written a couple of books and a couple of plays. And he wrote this one. It's what's called the two-hander. There are two people, James Pickens, who you would know from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. He plays a tailor. I come in because I need, I need a suit let out. I don't own a suit. A friend of mine is dying, and I just don't want to be found at the funeral in a, in a corduroy jacket and a pair of jeans. So a 25-year-old suit that I have needs to be let out. And through a, uh, a series of events, he proposes that he make me a suit. Then uh, with each fitting, we become closer and closer, and he becomes a confidant and a friend, and a wonderful relationship is born, and we hope is, uh, it continues. And that's what it is. It's, it's how the relationship evolves. And uh, James is just a wonderful, wonderful actor. Oh, my gosh. There's none finer. He, he embodies this man so beautifully. And any idiot could act my part. But, uh, but James Pickens is just superior. He's just Just great. give us the address so we know where it is and tell us at the theater. It's in Long Branch, New Jersey. It's the New Jersey, New Jersey Repertory Company or Repertory Theater. It's at 197 Broadway, and, well, it should be on Broadway, but 197 Broadway in Long Branch, which is a very easy train ride from Penn Station. And an uh, an easy ride from New York is about an hour and 15 minutes uh, by car. And uh, it's a lovely, it's just a little theater, 80 seats. It's tough to get a ticket. We run for three more weekends. Uh, 80 seats is, you know, it's easy to fill. Uh, it's not a Broadway house, but it's a lovely play. Do you watch your old movies sitting home? I can't watch me on, on film. I, I just I just put my head in my hands and go, what am I thinking? <laughs> what what have I done? Uh, it was, I'm a Sam, and uh, this is the I, I got to get out. I got to get out, and it's too late. I can do nothing else in the world. What did you do this summer? What have you done? Have you been traveling? What have you done during the pandemic? Well, I I will tell you. This summer, I, t- I have three children, ages 18, 18, and 21. I took them for a week in Ireland and a week in Paris. And mm-hmm. it was the most glorious time, even though you should not be with, uh, you know, older teenagers for more than four days in a row. Uh, <laughs> they could be there. It's, it's a piece of work. Uh, but my kids are great. We had a, the most fun. It was great knowing them. It was great that they all, because they're at different schools, that they could get together. It was like being at camp. And uh, they had a wonderful time. And then I came home and I started rehearsal. And that's what, what I did. Okay. If this only has another couple of weekends to do, where yes. do you have a plan for afterwards? Yes. What? What? what, what? I will. I will wait. Go I am going, I'm going to be doing a funny thing happened on the way to the forum in Paris. In French? Uh, in French? I didn't say in French. I said in Paris. They're going to have to understand it in English, but I'm doing it in English uh, at the new revi- uh, refurbished Lido 2, right on the Champs-Élysées. You play, what's his name's lead? What was his name? I saw the play originally. Well, Pseudolus, made famous by Zero Mostel. It's terrific. It's terrific. Oh, I wish you I a know. great Mazel Tov. So are you going to be? Come see my play here. Come First, see me before I say your play, are you going to be rich someday or what? Never. Okay. First of all, I have three children and I live in New York. There's no way I can become rich. 
In that case, forget I talked to you. I loved, <laughs> I loved you, Richard, and I hope to see you, you soon. Thank you, Thank Lovey. You, Cindy. A Thanks, pleasure Annie. to talk to you. Thanks, Annie. Okay. Bye. The Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. So, the movie, Barbie, of whom you may have heard. She's the innest, the thinnest, the non-sinnest. Ugh, Barbie. Historians call Benjamin Franklin America's first columnist. They're wrong. I started long before Ben flew his first kite. So what I did is I went back over all my columns to see my years-old Barbie items. I didn't care about Ben, Ken. My memories are I had better than Ken in high school. Who cared about Ken? The Barbie collectors are now wearing Depends, and they may remember back in 98. David Duchovny was looking like a doll. However, playing Ken seemed out of his Ken. He was unhappy. He hated the finished Ken doll. He said the hair was too full, not looking rugged enough, and he threatened a lawsuit, actually. Mattel, quick, schlepped Ken off toy shelves and overhauled him. They gave him new molded hair, and it became tighter. Ken was still plastic, but he became a bit manlier looking, and sort of an X-Files type Ken who became a collector's item. 94, I reported designer Randy Klempner. He had said, my collection is Barbie goes to the White House. White gloves, white patent heels, 70, 70s femininity with 90s bitchiness. Everybody was into Mattel and everybody was into Barbie in all of those days. 1996, there were more type dolls. There was the Don Imus one. You wind it up and you're sorry. The Howard Stern, you wind it up and it puts Don Imus down. And you start the Michael Jackson doll and the thing changes its nose. O.J., you wind it up and it lies. The politically incorrect one ignored Barbie, but it took Ken to the movies. 1997, Mattel, the company that made it, toyed with a maybe Susan Lucci, Erica Kane doll. I did not mention, but I'm going to mention it, but I never have mentioned the Horseman Doll Company. The Horseman Doll Company had already made and sold a Cindy doll. Looked just like me. Dark hair, fake lashes, red, white, and black outfits. Those are my colors. I also didn't mention that if you call me now, I could sell you a few Cindy dolls at very reasonable prices. Anyway, I think a new Ken doll is coming. You wind him up, and he'll take you to the Barbie movie. Speaking of all of these wonderfully exciting events, there is Sid Rosenberg. You know Sid Rosenberg. His Sid and Friends is in the morning on WABC Radio Daily, Monday to Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. He says 
He's shy. Shy? As I write this, it's Sunday, 11.30 p.m., and he is still talking. That's how shy he is. But he wants me to tell everyone that this is his big screen debut that's coming. It's called Inside Man. It's an indie thriller, whatever the hell that means. His character, what's his character? His character is a Brooklyn bartender frequented by Gambinos. Yeah, well, like naturally, what else? He'd play maybe a harpist? So Sid says to me, acting in L.A. with big actors was nervous-making, but I'm okay at memorizing. I can actually remember who won the last World Series, the last 60 World Series. I told him, oh, that is so great. However, it doesn't come up a lot in conversation. Humorist Morty Stern sent me this fan letter. I have just looked at a pile of fan letters, and I'm answering them. They don't all start, dear stupid. Some of them are not so bad. Humorist Marty, Morty Stern sent me this one that said, quote, this is true, this is legit. Quote, he said to me, I have named my dog Sex. Sex? Yes, Sex. He said, when I went to City Hall, I wanted a license for sex. And the clerk said, yeah, listen, me too. <laughs> and he said, I told him, you don't understand. I have had sex since I was nine years old. And the clerk said, you must have been quite a kid. I got one more letter from Harriet. Harriet said to me, and for this I was very grateful, she said, Thanks for always sticking up for our city in your column. Recently, you took up the cudgels for New York City. It's time someone did it. It's overdue. Enough is enough. Okay, I want to tell everyone, thanks for sticking only in New York, kids, only in New York. And wait, I've got some more stuff I'm about to tell you. Listen, it's hot. It's really hot weather. It's like Death Valley around New York and around D.C. So, not that I don't like certain people who are in Washington. I'm only suggesting that how about we burn Attorney General dumbass Merrick Garland's behind. I thought it's a good idea. Liberals think the sweat's worth it to protect progressives even though it's best to be said about them, may their tripe decrease. Congress, I'm on, for whatever the reason, I'm on to politics for a few minutes. Congress is now examining UFO info because, as you've heard, a witness claimed the government is concealing aircraft which crashed on our planet. Yeah, okay. But if this is so, and this is just my low-level opinion, if that is really so, that outer space pilot must be really dumb. Can you imagine traveling over 100,000 light years through a 10 million planet galaxy only to crash in Vegas and crap up a crapshoot? That doesn't really make sense. It's sort of dumb. Okay, I got to tell you, there is a new 
Rob report out, which reports New York's richest town isn't in the Hamptons. It isn't Snobaponic or Snubhampton. It's called Flower Hill, which nobody knows. Who ever heard of it? It's near Roslyn. It has the top dollar designation. And USA's wealthiest? It is a town called Little Orinda, O-R-I-N-D-A, which absolutely nobody cares about either. But it overlooks San Francisco's great rich homes, which also happen to overlook the homeless. Before I leave you to go on to other things, I want to bitch about the movies. Humans act like animals in movies. Now animals are acting like humans in movies. Jamie Foxx and Will Ferrell are in Stray Dogs. It's about a lost one trying to find a home. It is wandering into theaters. It is G-rated, although this pooch has a filthy potty mouth. Says Will Ferrell, it's revenge doggy style. It's filthy, but it's sort of sweet. The goal is to bite the owner's thing off. Lovely. Great for kids. Bring Alpo. And so far, I have loved you greatly, and I'll be right back. It is time for them to throw me off. They don't pay me enough, and they don't want to listen to me enough. So I have to say goodbye, and I will look forward to speaking to you again next Sunday from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock. And thank you very much for listening to me so far. I love you all. Bye.